Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Since the parable of the Good Samaritan emphasizes love of neighbor, or as Pastor Stadero said last week, how we relate to our neighbor in love, many scholars suggest that this passage that we are looking at today and immediately follows the parable of the Good Samaritan highlights love of the Lord your God. Now you'll recall perhaps from the parable that the initial question that the lawyer posed was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded by asking the lawyer what he thought the answer was, asked what's written in the law, how do you interpret it? And before he sought to justify himself with saying, who is my neighbor? He first said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your being. And so in typical Lucan fashion, Luke gives us an example of loving God above all else in our text today. I also thought it was kind of interesting in typical Lucan fashion that we see another pair of siblings talked about a few chapters before, only this time it'll be the sisters Mary and Martha who complement those siblings we saw, James and John. And you'll remember at the beginning of the journey, James and John's, our first set of siblings, wanted to destroy the town that does not welcome Jesus. And here, as our Lord continues on his journey, it is Martha and Mary who welcome Jesus into their home. And our passage today will expand just on what it means to welcome Jesus and his gospel message. Here's our text for today. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, the village of Martha and Mary is not necessarily mentioned here in chapter 10 of Luke's gospel. But it is named in John's gospel, specifically chapter 11, and Luke will mention the town or the village of Bethany a little bit later in chapter 19. Bethany, for those of you map nerds, is about two miles from Jerusalem, which is where, as you know, Jesus is headed to go to the cross and will reach at the end of his journey through Samaria. Now, I only bring this up, my fellow map nerds, because if you were trying to geographically map out the journey, this wouldn't quite fit in the story. Unless, and since my dad is here, I can say this, like my family, you're taking a paparon long cut, going very far out of the way from where you're trying to go, only to go back, sorry dad. Now, I bring this up because probably in this instance, Luke is going for that logical consistency rather than chronologically. But who knows for sure, maybe this is just my issues with the old Thomas guide. I only had two years of it, now I just use my phone, but again, This is not about me. Let's get into the text. See, what's more important here is to look at the two types of posture that we see. For there are two types. One is anxious and disturbed, and another is at peace. In our text, it is Mary who assumes the true posture of a disciple by sitting beside the Lord at his feet. Her focus is is on listening to what Jesus said, literally listening to Jesus' words. It would appear that Mary realizes what a blessed opportunity it is to hear what she hears. 
How blessed she is to sit at the feet of God himself and listen to what he has to say. And I hope you realize that not much has changed 2,000 years later. That our time in the Word is never a chore nor an item to check off the list, but it is a time of listening, a time of being blessed, a time of great joy and gratitude. We are to covet that time with the Word, desire it. Because you know as well as I do that there is a lot to do and be distracted by. But a heart that listens to the Word is truly a heart that is blessed. And you can see that Martha, on the other hand, is distracted on account of serving. Some translations actually use is burdened on account of the much serving. Now certainly Martha's efforts to serve her special guest are well and good. Indeed, she is following an Old Testament pattern. For it was the widow in 1 Kings who served Elijah when he came to stay at her home. And it was the woman in 2 Kings who gave hospitality to the prophet Elisha. Not to mention what it means to just be a good host or hostess who who works to make sure that the house is looking good and that all the guests have what they need to be comfortable. However, there is this hint that Luke gives us of her shortcoming in the descriptions of the words he uses. Since there is so much to do, she is distracted. She is too busy to pay attention to Jesus' words. But notice it doesn't stop there. In her busyness, her concern leads her to want to take her sister away from Jesus, whom she asked the Lord to say something, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? And expecting Jesus to be like, oh, you're absolutely right, Mary, follows up the question, or Martha with the question, or the command, really, tell her to help me. <laughs> I have prayed that prayer many a times, friends. Now, before we get down the road and we start trenching in being like, if you're going to say anything bad against Martha, let me tell you, I'm a Martha and I don't like it when we teach and preach on this because who will do the work if I don't? Again, I've been there going as far as saying, well, then I guess we're all just going to sit around at the feet of Jesus and do nothing. I want to be clear. I've never been a fan of the idea that we need Martha's and we need Mary's. I never liked the idea of pitting the sisters against each other. And I understand that since early on in Christian history, Martha and Mary have been understood as signifying the active life and the contemplative life. But perhaps, perhaps it is time to emphasize the unity that every disciple must have of these two dimensions of lives. See, it is union with God through His Word and prayer and through the work of the Holy Spirit that then work and service overflows into all of one's activities bearing fruit. Let me explain what I mean a little bit further. See, Martha did nothing wrong in working hard for Jesus. That was good. Her problem was that she became distracted with much Serving, She was distracted from Jesus. And by the way, you're not going to convince me here that Mary didn't do anything wrong either. 
If it's expected that you're supposed to be working too and then you don't, that's not right. Believe me, I've tried that as well. Every single time my parents or now my wife would ask me, hey, will you help with the baby or fix something? I would always respond with, I'm sorry, I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus right now, reading my Bible. Just doesn't work that way, does it? But if we're being honest, look around, friends. There's work to do. And we could work, and we could work, and we could work, and we could work, and there will always be more work to do. And on the other side, we could read and pray, and read and pray, and read and pray, and we could never do that enough. But it has to be both of these. For the heart that works without listening, a heart that works without listening never lasts long. Suddenly it's becoming very crabby and irritable, that heart. All too easy to look at everything you've done and begin criticizing those who don't seem to do as much as you do. Maybe the truth is that Martha's real problem wasn't Mary here. It wasn't the serving here. The true problem for Martha was Martha. She had become distracted. She had taken her eyes off Jesus, had focused on the work that she was doing, and in turn, then started focusing on those who weren't doing the work that she was doing. And it's always the ones that we are closest to who bear the brunt of that the most, is it not? Martha doesn't ask Jesus to get up and start helping, nor does she say, hey, you lazy disciples, do something. She asks about her sister. I think it's fair to say that Martha's head was right, her hands were working and they were right, but her heart, her heart in this text is not in the right place. Pastor Stottero talked last week about when loving our neighbor, our self-absorption must fade into self-forgetfulness. And it is the same this week as well. For loving God and having a heart for God, our self-absorption must fade into fixing our eyes and our heart on Jesus. And Jesus, knowing this, gently, gently corrects Martha's heart. Martha, and I think she looks right at him. Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus corrects her just like he did with James and John. But can you not just sense the love in Jesus' voice? He affectionately repeats her name. See, Martha did good. She wanted to serve Jesus, but she had not added the one thing, the one thing that is needed. The Bible speaks of that one thing right here in Psalm 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, to meditate on his word. Or maybe you prefer the gospel later on in Luke 18. When Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack the one thing. Follow me. 
Or you like Paul a little bit better. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, in love, in love, Jesus speaks Martha's name and identifies what's wrong with her fretful activity. It's the worried and the upset. Some translations include the word anxious there. In the parable of the sower, Jesus were warned, right? That anxieties can, like a thorn, choke a person's response to the word. And if you've been working through Luke or you're familiar with this gospel, you know that Jesus follows that parable of sowing all the different seeds with cautions against being anxious. Cautions us against allowing ourselves to be weighed down with the anxieties of life. Now certainly in our text today, Martha's anxieties spring from her desire to serve Jesus, not from the pursuit of anything sinful. But Jesus' teachings about not being anxious have general application, do they not? Just because something is not inherently evil doesn't mean it's good for you. And maybe we could spend some time reflecting on that. Taking a look at the good causes that we have taken up, the things that we know God has called us to do, have pushed those to the front of what we have become all about, have declared these causes are what God would want, but we have forgotten in the midst of all that to put God first. When Revelation was written, the first church mentioned was Ephesus. And it's very interesting to me what was said about them. Follow along with me. I know your deeds your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be false apostles. You have persevered. You have endured hardships for my name and have never grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Revival change can't come until we sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. Unity cannot come if we are too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his words. See, in our text, Jesus explains why Mary's behavior, not Martha's, was better. Because Martha's concerned about many things. And Jesus says only one thing is necessary. And that says listening to him. Or in other words, the aspect that takes priority when Jesus is welcomed, when you are welcoming and listening to Jesus, is that the message of salvation must come first. The word of God must come first. That's the better part. That's the good soil, the choice that Mary made. And Jesus says, no matter what, that will never be taken from her. You'll notice, too, that he doesn't ask Martha to stop working. He doesn't tell Mary to get up and get going. Because Jesus is driving after your heart in this text. 
We must see the heart of Jesus. We must hear the word of Jesus first. When we rise, it must be him first. When we close our eyes, it must be him first. Maybe it must sound a little bit too much like a work. Maybe it's better to be say, what a blessing it is that we hear the word of God first. What a blessing it is that when we close our eyes for the last time, it'll be the word of God that is spoken over your life. You realize that is why we start the services in the name of the triune God, because it is a blessing to be his, to make sure that there was absolutely no doubt that the fundamental truth of your life is that you are loved by God, who at your baptism and gave you his name. And so we speak it and call on it so that we do not forget it. And it is why we end each service with his words of blessing. So that even when we are not here worshiping him in this place, we know that he goes with us, blessing us, loving us, for we are his. This text has never been about what's better, works or sitting. Because there's no trying to get ready before Jesus gets there and then getting ready for his word. The blessing is that the word of God comes to you just as you are. This is all about a heart for God. About loving God. God rightly about the blessing that the Lord Jesus brings to us as he brings his word to us and don't you worry friends because this four or five verses right here this story gets better you are about to see in John 11 Martha's heart for the Lord let me read it to you on his arrival Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. She does not prepare the house to make sure it looks good. Mary stays at home. Martha is running to the feet of Jesus. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And from the heart, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. That is a heart for Jesus. She has come to know the heart of Jesus, and she runs to it, declares faith in it, trusts in it. Trust that it is not Martha who will do the work, but it will be Martha in faith, trusting in Jesus to do the work that he promises to do. And after she had said this, she went back, called her sister Mary, the teacher's here, and is asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she gets up quickly, went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Heart for Jesus. And the sister's heartbeat 
for Jesus is the same. Jesus sees her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He's moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the heart, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of the same, could he not open the eyes of the blind man, kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad order, for he has been there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they take away the stone. Jesus looks up and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he said this, called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is why we sit at the feet of Jesus. Because to fit at the, sit at the feet of Jesus implies faith in who Jesus is. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies discipleship, implies a readiness to accept and obey what Jesus teaches. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies love. For it is at the feet of Jesus that you will experience peace. You can try to work and make yourself busy so that you are distracted and never have to just sit with yourself. But if you want peace, it comes at the feet of Jesus. And it's there that you will learn of holiness at the feet of Jesus. Because you can try to be better than anyone, but it won't count for nothing if there is no Jesus. No good serving just because it feels good and it's better. And it's at the feet of Jesus that you will find strength. You can go as long as you can but eventually you run out of energy and you have to come back to the well to drink. Or whoever drinks the water that Jesus will give them will never thirst, perhaps. It was Jesus who said, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Because you know, you will come with hands out at the feet of Jesus to be given what you need. For each one of us has been blessed. And each one of us told, take off those old grave clothes you wore and now go, my child, with a heart that listens and a heart that works. What for? Because the heart of the Lord is for you. The heart of the Lord looked down and saw us in our distress and our sin and came and worked and completed. And he himself took off his own grave clothes and has declared you forgiven, has declared you loved, and invites you to come to him. Amen.